Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. Well, uh, once again, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome. If you are a regular here, uh, this probably looks like a bit of a different format. I love how this one row just like goes off into the distance. Um, we're not going to talk about it. Um, but uh, yeah, this probably looks a little different to you all than the normal. Uh, if you've been with us through the series uh, we've been talking about today for some time now, uh, we got a QA and uh, a panel of questions that you all submitted for us. Why don't you scoot forward? I realize I'm just kind of like boxing you out. Um, and so uh, here, here's what I want to say up top. Um, we're, in just a second, I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves, and then we'll dive in on some questions. But uh, let, let, let us just reiterate. Um, these are questions uh, brought to us by you. Um, there's some questions that um, are a little more lighthearted, some that are a little more complex, some about the nature of sin, all of that. And so just hear it from us. Our heart is not that you walk away from here feeling uh, judged for anything going on in your own life, that you feel um, shamed for anything going on in your own life. The, the reality, like book open, book close, is that the Bible tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, and that's good news. The Bible tells us um, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. And so when we have a conversation where we get into sin, um, there, it's important for us to just remember what sin can do and what sin can't do. And if you're in Christ, sin cannot separate you from the love of God, cannot rob you of your eternal destiny, but it can cause some serious ramifications in your life. Um, and God does call us to holiness. So I just want to once again just reiterate that there is a separation, a difference between those two things. And so if you walk away uh, from here feeling um, judged or shamed for uh, things that you've experienced in your own life, just know that that's not our bullseye. We're, we're not aiming at that. Um, and so also just recognize like we are people. Uh, and so as much as we can, we're going to point to the word of God. Uh, but if you would give us the grace of sometimes we might not say things as eloquently as we want. Sometimes even like we might answer a question and then five minutes later be like, I'd like to amend what I just said or tweak it. Uh, we're people, you know, we're still in the growing process as well. So all that to say, let's kick things off. Why don't we uh, introduce ourselves on the panel? Uh, why don't we start at the end with this uh, strapping man? Who are you? And then maybe pass the mic to who else is here. He said strapping. Come on. Praise yes. God. Uh, Stud. Anyway, uh, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. I'm Joey. I'm a high school volunteer. I'm Sarah. I'm one of our young adults pastors. My name is Grace, and I am an HSM small group leader. And I'm Liam, and I'm a small group leader as well. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Aaron, would you just open us up in prayer uh, that we don't, you know, heresy awesome. all over the place? He's a small group leader, all these guys. <laughs> yeah, and right, cool. they all they're showed all up. the front, just right here. <laughs> awesome. Um, Lord, we thank you for this time this morning where we were able to think through the issues of life biblically. Uh, we think that your word has answers for everything pertaining to life and godliness. I ask that as we share that we are charitable, Lord God, we are loving, we are patient, merciful, Lord, give us wisdom. And uh, allow the people who hear this uh, to be blessed by um, our conversation, our experience for God, and really by your uh, grace in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Okay, uh, so I've got this sheet of a ton of questions up here. Uh, and I'd love to kick things off with uh, what, uh, you know, all questions are precious to me. This is one of my favorites just because it's so like, wow, I felt that. But also 
like so tough to answer uh, and very practical. So here's the first question I want to open up with. Uh, this person asked, what do you say after a kiss? Right? It can be an awkward thing. You, you kiss and then like what's the transition? Where do you go? So this is just like a, any pro tips on this one? Like what do you say after the fact? You say, how about them Dodgers? Or, <laughs> or nice weather we're having, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just like small talk, you know, general. I usually make it more awkward by laughing. That's just yes. my pro tip a nervous is laugh. laugh. Yeah. yeah it's always laughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was actually laughed after I was proposed to and he was cry oh, no. crying. Uh, but no, this was my favorite question. I was telling you, I went through all of them and was like, dang. But oh, I think too, like, as <laughs> I asked my fiance and he was like, his, his response was, there's always room for improvement. But I think in a, in a more serious <laughs> note, um, I, I mean, kissing is, it's beautiful and wonderful. And I think it could also like in that moment be like, that was great because it's you, if it's someone that you like and looking at the context of like, where's the kiss happening? Is this a kiss that's invited? Mm. Is this is like you're in a relationship and this is kind of the most like intimate, like a move you've had together. And then maybe later on be like, okay, we kissed. Maybe let's talk about like, where this is going physically. And it, it can be really odd. Maybe not in the moment be like, let's talk about our boundaries. Hopefully you've had that conversation before. But like kissing is so special, but it, oh, just gonna get awkward right away. It is also a part of sexual arousal and foreplay. And to actually say like, okay, where is our limits on kissing? Because it's actually meant to lead to something really, really intimate. Um, so you could be like, that was awesome. Let's just make sure that it stays in a, a certain boundary um, so that you can preserve kissing as something that's fun and sweet if that's what you choose to do before you're married. Agreed. <laughs> I think the question is, again, wh why are we kissing? Wh wh you've been kissed, okay. Wh where are we going with this? What's the next step? Because uh, if you're just kissing, kissing everybody, like, bruh, really? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, like we talked about um, in our earlier parts of our series, um, if you know who you are, you don't give discounts, right? And so, in this context, you don't just, like, go around kissing people or doing all that stuff. If you have been in that space, you need to know uh, what are the clear boundaries, where are we going, uh, what's happening next. So, it's not just an endless um, space where you're just messing around, honestly, and wasting each other's time. Awesome. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, someone asked, what is the difference between hanging out and dating? Is there a difference? Does there need to be a difference? Um, what, kind of, what are we talking about when we're talking about dating? Yeah, um, the difference between hanging out and dating. I think hanging out's very casual and has no connotation except friendship. Like we're just mm -hmm. getting to know each other, we're growing in friendship. I think if you're in a dating relationship, there's more intentionality mm -hmm. with getting to know someone for marriage. You said that dating is not for a good time, it's for a good legacy. And so that's the point of doing so. Now, do people who are dating hang out? Sure, but they're not under the umbrella of just hanging out. There's more intentionality in that relationship. So you can hang out with your buds and your girls and um, do your nails, um, all the things. Uh, Nice nails. But all those things, like you can do all that stuff, but then the intentionality in a dating relationship is that you're preparing for marriage. And so there's the difference where that lies for me. I feel like in high school, that definitely was one of my questions. It's like, he said that he wanted to hang out. What does that mean? Um, I want to just bounce right off of what you said. Um, hanging out is what friends do. Dating is recognizing attraction and pursuit of another person in a romantic context. Um, and if there's any confusion on 
any of that or like the intention, uh, then there needs to be a conversation about that intention and each of your feelings about each other. Um, because I think that when there's no clarity or there's no conversation about like what you guys are like if you guys are hanging out and it's like but I kind of like him or like I kind of like her it's like it can get a little confusing so make sure that there's clarity and that you bring your intention to each other follow-up question in that is it uh crucial to call it a date for it to be a date like do you have to say like hey let's go on a date or is there like an unspoken like is there a cool way to do it and not have to have the awkward conversation what do y'all think Um, I think something that's happening right now, it, like the popular term is a situationship, yeah. unfortunately. Um, yeah, <laughs> I heard some affirmation in the crowd. Um, that, that comes from a lack of clarity and a lack of leadership. Um, generally, men will lead. So guys, it's your job um, to lead the relationship. And if you are leading a girl into a situationship, that means you're not serious about her. You need to respect her enough to let her go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That'll preach. All right. This person asked, what if it's the right person at the right time, but your parents don't like them? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hitting some nerves here. <laughs> it's the right person. Right person. At, at this the, is their words. It's the right person at the, at the right, right time, time, but your parents don't like them. So... Um, you guys ready? Check it. Bring it. Uh, this is what happens in um, the world where sometimes we have our desires and then there's these boundaries that for life God has put in place, right? And those boundaries are for our joy, for our holiness, for our thriving. Um, so what we may perceive in the moment to be the right time, the right person, if we have people around us who are healthy, who are speaking to our lives, because ultimately your parents want you to have the best. I don't know any parent who just be like, I want you to marry the worst person so you have the worst life and all the, I don't want else to frame it as, right? So yeah, your issue more is an issue of trust with your parents, honestly, right? It's an issue of trust with your parents. Whether you trust that they love you, they're for you, not against you, which ultimately brings you back to your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But ultimately in scripture, in Ephesians, I think it's chapter five or six, um, I believe it's five, um, yeah, five, because there's six chapters, five. Chapter five talks about uh, the, only, the only command you have as a child, also in Exodus, is to honor your parents. And so in this context, that happens when you're a child and also an adult. But in this context where they have oversights over you, right, legally by our country living, legally uh, by that space, but also in an honor in this space, I think it would be wise, because this becomes a wisdom issue, right? And can become a sin issue if you're rebelling against them. But wisdom would say, trust where they are and what they're saying. So you can have the peace of God and the joy of God in that context. Will it suck? Yes, definitely. But because some things that God has for us, those boundaries don't feel good at the time. The Bible talks about that training at some times feels difficult, but in the end, it, re it gives us a reward that will last forever. And so that'll be my answer to that person. Anyone else? Yeah. And I'll just add, because I remember wrestling with that scripture for a while, but I was also told, and it's true in scripture, it's the only commandment with a blessing attached to it. 
honoring your mother and father and you'll have long life. And I think even as an adult, like I'm about to get married and I was just talking to my fiance about like what happens with our families. And it's like, we are cleaving and starting our new family, but really up until then, even through this whole process, um, there has been a lot of blessing in honoring our families in that and also honoring their opinion even before we got engaged and what they thought of our relationship. So I would agree with that and experience that. Uh, this question's from a young man. He said, how do I know that it's okay to go in for the kiss? Ooh. Practical. That's a good question. <laughs> how do you know if you're ready to go in for the kiss? Uh, want to tag a team or go and you go? All right, okay. So how do you know when it's ready, it's the right time, season is ripe to go in for the kiss? How do you know? Okay. I would say you must know what the end goal is, yeah. ultimately. Because if you have no plan, like we said, if you don't plan for anything, then you will not have, you won't hit anything. If you don't aim for anything, you won't hit anything. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be in a bunch of situationships like we've been talking about, right? Wasting each other's time, breaking up here, left and right. Like, that's the worst thing ever, to feel like commitment and closest with someone, um, but there's no actual plan. And so when you end up in that space, there's no safety because there's no actual direction. Like you're just wasting each other's time. So I would say, uh, like we, we've talked about in our, our, our series earlier before, that when things get physical, they tend to be, get messy very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so you need to know for sure as you're going to these steps of relationship that if we're going to this step, uh, especially as a high schooler, are you ready for that, that smoke? Like, are you really ready for that smoke of the relationship of uh, and having the responsibility of carrying an, a whole other being? Because it's not just you, all right? It's not just you. It's a whole other person, their emotions, uh, all the things they want to go uh, to do in the, the future, and you coming alongside that, dying to yourself in those things where you're like, I want to go to Utah. And they're like, I hate Utah. Are you ready for that smoke? Probably not, because you, you don't even know what kind of socks you're going to wear tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Some of you guys are wearing two color different socks right now. Like, it's shameful. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> the point is... The point is you have to have an actual, an actual plan. So I would say, uh, and you can only know that plan in context of community and people who are wise, wiser than you, who, who can give you clarity on what they see in your life. Like we talked about the conversation with parents, right? You want to date someone and you might be like, this is the right person, he loves me, she loves me, all this stuff. But your parents see that you have a lot of selfishness, right? Like you eat food in that house for free and you don't do dishes, you give lip. Really? And you want to go take on a whole other person. Like, these are things that are simple, but also deeply spiritual, that bring out your selfishness, they show that you're not ready for responsibility, and really give us an opportunity in that context to deal with them so we can be ready. So when that time comes, when you want to step in and have that kiss, You've told your mom, mom, I, I met this girl, I love her, I want to marry her. Or I'm interested in this conversation, like with this girl. Like, I want, I, like, the, I'm 14? Probably not. Because um, you ain't got no money to pay rent, can barely buy Takis, so probably not 14. Um, but down the line, right, you have all these conversations, but you're ready for that, and then you can have that, uh, that, that next step, I guess. Tough to follow that, but um, I want to say there is a difference between infatuation and love. That's good. Um, it's really easy to get infatuated with somebody because it's really it's just based on like your biological response to an attractive person. Mm. 
So you, you love the way that they talk or the way they look or how they move. Um, that can be a trigger for infatuation and that can trick your brain into thinking that you love them. True love, there, uh, Aaron talked about the four different types of love mentioned in the Bible. And we wanna love each other with agape love, which yeah. is God's love. Yeah. Um, and often we confuse eros, which is like the erotic romantic love um, with that true love. Um, and so eros is more closely like associated with infatuation. And so you need to be clear uh, whether you're really, whether you really love this person, uh, like you have their best interest in mind, yeah. or you're just selfishly looking for what you can get from them. Yeah. So if you can't answer that question honestly and say, I have their best interest in mind, don't go for the kiss. Preach. Okay, this next question says, what is the deal with divorce? Is it okay or not okay to get divorced if the marriage is hurting both people? How does the Bible talk about divorce? How do we think about divorce? How do we understand it? All right, hey. Um, yeah, you know what's interesting is the Bible actually doesn't like have that many sections where it's talking about divorce, which is kind of crazy because it's such a huge part of like human history. Um, and like the Torah out of like the 611, 613, there's a debate there, but, um, there's only like two laws that talk about like marriages ending. Um, and which is interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, one of those laws is in Exodus, I think, 21. The other is in Deuteronomy 24. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny. Um, there's, there's like two main camps kind of with this debate. Um, one looks at Matthew 19 um, when some Pharisees ask Jesus about the law in Deuteronomy 24, like asking like, hey, does that law mean that a man can just divorce for whatever reason? Um, and Jesus... Um, says to these Bible nerds, he's like, have you read your Bible? Um, he starts talking about Genesis 1 and 2, uh, my guy. Um, but yeah, and so, but long story short, he says like that law is talking about um, adultery as a grounds for divorce. And there's a camp that thinks that that's all Jesus said. And so it's only adultery. So if you're in an abusive relationship, like, man, you know, it's kind of rough, but like Jesus only said adultery. Um, the thing with that though, in Matthew 19, Jesus is responding to a question that they had asked him about a specific law. They didn't ask him like, hey, what do you think about divorce? They were asking him about a specific law, and he responds to that law. Um, and so there's a, there's a couple other places, and this just kind of goes back to, I think, how to conceive of the law and what wisdom it gives. But clearly adultery is one of those things. But then the law in Exodus 24 talks about in a, in a really, like, not in a clear way. Like, if you go and read that law, you're going to be like, what the heck was Joey talking about? Uh, but he talks about, or in the law God gives, he's talking about um, if, like, a husband isn't providing for, isn't, isn't giving her food or clothing or providing for her needs, which probably means sexual needs as well, um, then, like, she's free to go. Um, so in that case, and, and if you're not providing your wife or your spouse food, clothes, and other needs, like you're easily starting to get into abuse as well. Um, and there's somewhere in, I think, 1 Corinthians as well that talks about this. Um, maybe someone else can speak on that. But at the very least, we got like um, adultery, um, abuse, and then also based on that law in Exodus, neglect, if you're neglecting your spouse. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you're referring to First Corinthians 7.15, and um, where it also refers to them when your spouse is an unbeliever. That's another reason that scripture gives, and you know, I, I think this is something that can be tricky where you're looking at all these different like extreme scenarios, but also understanding like when we go into marriage as a follower of Christ, we're just taking a completely different view. It's a kingdom view of marriage where or A, going in from that place of like, I want to serve my spouse as like Christ is like pursuing and serving the church. Um, I'm gonna lay down my life, I'm gonna submit to my, my partner, and that's from both ends, both men and women are called to both lay down their lives for one another, submit um, ultimately to the Lord. And then when we look at divorce, like that it's treated in our culture and our world as just kind of like the escape hatch. Um, and to understand too, like, we want to uphold marriage as something that is beautiful, that is for our good, um, and to pursue through difficult seasons. Like, you're going to have difficult seasons that are emotional with someone. Um, but it, at the same time, like, when abuse starts to come in, understanding, like, that is not the heart of God. You do also have to look at the meta narrative of Scripture and understand, like, Jesus is one who stands before the Pharisees with the woman caught in the adultery that wants to condemn her for... Um, an act that would be consist, you know, outside of marriage, um, but at the same time, like Christ Himself is coming to protect and redeem, um, and not just condemn. So, if we also want to understand the heart of marriage, we have to understand the heart of God, where it's, He doesn't want abuse and neglect to happen within a marriage as well, um, and not just in the case of you know abandonment or um, if your spouse is an unbeliever to uphold marriage as something that's pure, to like pursue the goal of it and not just look for, you know, what are the extreme scenarios that would lead to divorce? Yeah, the Bible says that God hates divorce. Okay, so there's that. Let's just throw it out there. God hates divorce because it separates what God has put together purposely to care for one another, that agape love. We've defined love as an unselfish decision to seek someone's highest good even at your own expense, right? So love is an unselfish decision to seek someone's highest good even at your own expense. God expects us to live at that high level, which is why we're, I guess at this point, really trying to uh, help us think biblically. Uh, Like Sarah said, Pastor Sarah said, talking about divorce, we have to think about marriage. Like, what are you getting into this relationship for? If you're about this for yourself, it's going to be a difficult one. Now, do people in marriages become selfish in different seasons? Yes, they do. They prioritize other things over their spouse. I've been in that space. Many other people who are married have been in that space. But you have to learn to rely on yourself. Now, uh, uh, when you talk about... um, like the, the Lord allowing for divorce and whatnot. I'm in another extreme camp where I would say, hold to the high view of scripture. So that means that the only reason for, for divorce would be those contexts that have been mentioned, but seek reconciliation. Like seek reconciliation. The reason why people end up being divorced really is because someone stopped trying. They stopped giving up. They stopped fighting for it. They said, uh, they decided that it's no longer worth it to fight for it. Now, some of you guys have been in that space where you're, maybe you're in blended families or whatnot. And that's not to knock, it's not on you. Like, it's not on you at all. But you have an example in Jesus that many times for us throughout our day, we go through so many different things, which ultimately, God could say, forget you. In this love agape relationship, he say, could say, no more. But he continues to give himself for us, to us, 
in grace. And so the same grace that we've received, we need to give to other people. So as you are young people looking forward, right, to whatever God has for you, be it marriage or singleness or whatever, know that grace should be your rhythm. Grace should be something you look forward to, not only in the context of marriage, but in all everyday, uh, everyday, uh, everyday walks of your life so you can have a context for uh, living in um, God's strength. Okay, so this next question, um, to kind of tee it up, I think it's safe to say most humans uh, who have reached sexual maturity have a sex drive, sexual attraction, all of that. This person asks, what is the difference between having sexual desires and impulses versus lust? Like, where, where is the line? What is the difference between, like, this is just a natural thing that occurs versus, like, where does it cross that line into um, what Jesus would call sin? Um, I think that, like, the Bible clearly states that, like, God created us to be sexual, be uh, sexual beings. Um, the desire for sex is not a bad thing. It's when you lust or only think about people in a sexual way, when it's... Um, they're supposed when to clap at that statement. They missed it. <laughs> this. They're cute. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but it's... It's when you only think about people in a sexual way is when it becomes a problem or when it turns to sin. Um, speaking about people, thinking about people, or acting on your lustful thoughts um, is different than saying, I desire sex for my future, like in my future, and acknowledge um, like how God has made you into that sexual being. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Acknowledging that you are a sexual being, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's when you let those thoughts turn into like, Kind of what Liam was saying earlier of like an infatuation almost. Um, I think that's when it becomes a problem. Um, but you also have to acknowledge that you shouldn't act out on it, on those lustful impulses, um, or like give in to that temptation. I think that's where it became, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm stuttering. I think that's where it can become a sin, so... Yeah, no, I, I love what Grace had to say. Um, I, don't know, I lost my thought a little bit. But I, I was just talking to someone recently, too, about, like, can you lust after your spouse, like, once you're married? Because for me, and what I found in Scripture, too, is, like, lust in its, in its like, I, I was going to say definition, but just in how it plays out is objectification. And that's when you take someone and you almost, like, dehumanize them. You forget, like, they're a child of God. They have, you know personality and a soul and hopes and desires and the Lord sees them as like valuable and righteous and good and then you take that lust and you're like no they're just for my pleasure and and that very base like that in a sense like that's sinning against the person and sinning against God because it's taking his creation and like minimizing it and watering it down to something that they're not and we're not and in this conversation, I was like, wow, yeah, like you can, just because you're married to someone and you're having sex within the context that the Lord has made for us, it's like you can lust after your spouse. If you go into any sort of like sexual relation and you're like, I'm just looking for what I can get out of this, like that is so different than saying like, thank you, Lord, that I'm a sexual being. Like, thank you, Lord, that you've given me this sex drive. And I think in singleness too, and this is like, can be awkward at first, but when you're experiencing like, 
arousal or sexual desires or whatever it is, like it's okay to like talk to the Lord about that and, and also celebrate it and be like, thank you God that I feel this way. Like, thank you God for attraction. Thank you God that this is innately a part of who I am. Cause even part of being sexual, aside from like the purely physical part, it's, there's a social aspect to that. Like part of being sexual is the fact that like it's part of who we are in relation to other people. Um, and I don't want to go too much of a, a rabbit hole down that, but to preserve that. And when you're asking yourself, like, am I dehumanizing this person? Mm. Am I starting to let my mind or heart wander to places where, like, it's just about me and what I'm getting out of this? Because the Lord says, like, take our thoughts captive. But you could still say, like, wow, God, thank you that I get to, like, experience this. And then maybe one day get to have it in its fulfillment with somebody. Um, so I like whenever I come up to a question like this, it's you know kind of deep, or I, I just I try to boil it down to the essentials. Um, so for this question, sexual desire is a completely natural response. Mm-hmm. It's just how God wired us. Um, lust is taking that natural desire and taking it outside of God's intention for it. Yeah. And so you can actually lust for anything. You can lust for money or power or fame. Um, you know the the terms for that are greed, envy. Lust for like your neighbor's things, covetousness. Um, so it's natural desires that God's given us taken out of its proper context, which turns it into sin. So that's what lust is versus desire. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, okay, so this next question is more on a practical note, um, probably unanswerable uh, without specifics on this one, but maybe something that's relatable. Um, this question says this Why won't he make a move? Does he not like me, or is he just scared or nervous? <laughs> What do we think? How would we weigh in on, on that, that question in general? Why won't he make a move? Does he not like me, or is he just scared or nervous? Maybe you're not the one. That could be it, too. Whoa, right so, into it. You know, so you may have your ideas of, like, you know, and, and this comes back to the conversation of, like, mixed signals and all that stuff. But maybe, like, you, you may be reading into things, uh, going back to the idea of infatuation. Um, sometimes that's just it. And uh, I remember I wrote, so I'll, this is a story, interesting. When I was in, in a junior high, so my last year in junior high, primary seven, British system in Uganda, I got all the dope Christian love songs, Okay typical Christian kid, got all the lyrics, stole from them, wrote a poem to this girl because she was like, show me attention, all this stuff. I sprayed it with perfume, praise God. Somebody! I sprayed it with perfume, you know, because it had to smell good when she got it. That's right. Um, So I, I, I... Took it in, you know, in my little envelope. My small groups heard this story before. They're going to roast me later on. Anyway, um, so I took it in this envelope, and I gave it to this girl right after school, like at the end of school. So if she said yes, you know, we got the evening and all that stuff. If she said no, then I could run away home. It's a good strategy. (laughs) You know, that's what I did. So I was misreading all the signs, for real, right? I was misreading all the signs. Now, I... Gave her the letter, she opens the letter. What does she do? She cries, bruh. She cries, and then she takes my letter to the teacher. So, so, okay, so, all I have to say, all I have to say, uh, I didn't get in trouble. Teacher was my homie. He knew that was not a wild and out dude, whatever. Uh, And 
I was embarrassed. But I had this expectation, and it's an unfair expectation because I don't really know. I, I think it would have been good to me to ask, hey, we're friends, we're just going, I like you, whatever. Like, you're doing these things, all that stuff. But I have this expectation, but it's unfair to me to just project that on someone else. Like, you might be projecting that on this person and all this stuff, and really, if you want to be pursued in that space, wait. Mm -hmm. Just wait and trust that God will bring what you need. Down the line, God brought what I needed. Praise God, yeah. right? So all I'm trying to say is in some cases, that might be, not actually be your person, and that's okay. That's okay. There's multiple ways to go with this answer, so anyone else? I don't, I don't know the person, obviously, who wrote the question um, or the context, but I'm going to imagine they've probably been dating somebody for, um, <laughs> probably been dating somebody. Um, for me, why not just ask? Just be like, bro, what's up? Like, what, what's going on? Like, we're, we've been dating. Like, what, why haven't you? Or, like, is there, like, a boundary that I should know about? Or, like, is there a different way that, like, we should be approaching this? And, like, I think it's when you're in a relationship with someone and you're expecting something, I don't think that they're going to know unless you communicate that. Yeah. And so I think that communication in all aspects, whether it's uncomfortable or it's comfortable, I think it should be talked about. So if it's a genuine question that you have, I mean, for me, why not just ask the question? I don't know. That's good. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, this next question, uh, busting out the big guns on this one. Uh, this person asks, if I use porn as a substitute so that I don't have sex, isn't porn a good tool? What's wrong with it? I think Liam answered that question when you put things that God has given us out of context, uh, then they become broken, right? So Liam, I pass this to you, good sir, with the wisdom <laughs> of many grandfathers, please. <laughs> All right. No pressure. Uh, Drew, can you re yeah, repeat the question? Yeah, let me reread the question. Uh, this person says, if I use porn as a substitute so that I don't have sex, so basically as like a replacement, isn't porn a good tool? Why, what's wrong with it? So this really is just addressing the surface level issue. Um, it's kind of like a legalistic way to look at it. Like, don't have sex. Okay, how can I do what I want to do while not doing that? So you're not getting to the heart of the issue, which is lust. Um, and even though we've acknowledged that we're sexual beings and God created us that way, um, you don't need sex like you need food or water. It's not a like daily necessity to survive. So you don't actually need to express that sexuality outside of marriage like God designed it. Porn and masturbation is a sexual expression, and it's not what God designed for you. And it actually damages your perception of sex because it's a, it's a solo activity. Like, you're, you're associating that sexual pleasure with yourself. And it's very self-centered. It's very selfish. Um, and so you're conditioning yourself from your teenage years to think of it that way before you even go into marriage. So you've, you've had a decade or more of thinking of sex selfishly before you even get married. So you're actually hurting your spouse, you're hurting yourself. Um, so no, it's not, it's not a good substitute. Yeah, may, many grandfathers, good. that was good. And I would just also say, you're not gonna find an example in pornography that's God-honoring. Yeah. You're just not, and I, I mean, I've been in relationships with people where that's part of their story, and like, there's redemption, like, God is so good. It's so good, and women, both men and women struggle with pornography, yeah. so I'll just say that too. But, um, 
I think it's it's really asking ourselves like, you know, I was looking earlier out of Philippians and Colossians. It's like, are is this causing me to think on like whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is true? And the answer is no. It's not, and it's not something, it's not like a switch you could flip off one day and be like, I'm gonna stop watching pornography now that I'm sleeping with someone. Um, like Liam was saying, it, it's, it's wiring your brain to perceive sex in a certain way that can actually be damaging when you are having sex with your spouse. And unfortunately, like those are things you do work through, and to come before your spouse and say, I'm so sorry, but I have just all these images in my brain that come to, like called to mind once we're intimate, that can feel also like a form of infidelity. So I think it's just being careful, A, to like when you date someone, being clear what you struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, again, would just say like, you're not gonna find an example in pornography that's honoring to God. Yeah, um, I want to add on. Um, as a woman who has struggled with a pornography addiction, um, I think that's also something that's not really talked about in the yeah. church. It's mainly like, oh, guys, you struggle with porn, and then it's girls like, oh, you went too far. But like, I think it's it can go for both parties. I don't think it's just like a one gender issue. Um, and I think that something that I've learned as I've grown up and struggled with it um, is that porn plays a role into how you view people you are attracted to or in a relationship with. Um, kind of what Liam said, it can distort uh, what love or sex can be. Um, porn shows you a distorted version of the things that we desire most, right? So it's intimacy, attention, closeness, um, to be loved, to be valued, or treated in the way you deserve. Um, but porn can't be a tool because it causes us to veer farther and farther away from what God has for you in a future relationship when it comes to sex or sexual intimacy. Um, so porn can bring you momentary pleasure, but you won't ever, it won't ever bring you the satisfaction of a true healthy relationship that pursues purity, joy, or Christ. So That's good. Thank you for sharing, Grace. Okay, uh, we're going to start to land this plane. We're going to go in on two more questions. Uh, and so uh, this next question is a young man writes, my girlfriend has had bad experiences with men in the past. How can I show her that I'm safe and that she can trust me? Can you see that real quick? Thank you. Uh, my girlfriend's had bad experiences with men in the past. How can I show her that I'm safe and that she can trust me? Yeah. Um, well, one kudos to whoever wrote that question yeah. Yeah. Uh, to want to, one, be aware of what's going on, um, and then one, to learn how to love, right? To love with intentionality, love with purpose. So thank you for writing that question. Um, very refreshing for, for those who are out there just trying to do their own thing. So thank you again. Um, how can you show that you're safe? So I think uh, a, big, a big piece of that is going to be being like, one, asking the question, mm -hmm. right? Um, ask the question about those things, being open about those conversations, um, having real honest conversations about those situations. Um, and in that openness, you can know best how to do so because um, I could list all kinds of different things you know for sure but um, I think it was quoted in Philippians whatever is pure whatever is, whatever is of a good report um, whatever uh, 
you can share with people openly, think on those things. But I would say push it further to do those things, right? Of course, it starts in your mind, how you process those things, uh, how you see someone, not just as like a piece of meat from like, or, you know, KFC, a thigh or a leg or whatever, like, you know, like having actual process of this person as in their character, in their personhood, right? So that you're not seeing people as body parts or whatever, but you say, hey, I want you to be safe because I know you. Now, bring it back to Genesis 1. It talks about how um, Adam knew his wife. There's a sexual connotation in that, but it's also one of knowing of personhood, right? So because he knew her, right, he understands her. He can love her well, right? He can know how to do so. Now, um, again, we're trying to prep you guys not for marriage, but for holiness and Praise God that you're thinking through that. The Bible talks about how we're to love our wives with understanding. I'll tell you, as a married man, every month, every year, like, my wife is changing. I need to do better to learn those things. Because the person you married first year is not the same in the second year. The person you're dating today has different desires in the next day. Some of you guys want to be veterinarians. The next day, you want to be... Not veterinarians, journalists. journalists. Okay, something else, right? Like life changes quickly, and so uh, being able to to know your person, ask those convers, ask those questions, know them, uh, I think is a good thing because ultimately communication is the lifeblood of all relationship, right? And so the best way for you to grow, to know how to love someone, is to get to know them and get to know them intimately in context of one on one, but also with their community, right? Um, the more you spend time with their community, you begin to know where their passions are, who they are, and all those things so you can love them well. Uh, and uh, as a final question, this person asks, and it's actually, they wrote it as one question, but it's actually two different questions. They said, uh, is it okay to have intercourse, sexual intercourse if you're madly in love with someone that you're not married to? They said, will I not be forgiven for it? if I've had some sort of intercourse, is it okay? So actually there's two questions in there. It's what is the prerequisite for God honoring sexual intercourse? Is it that you're madly in love? Is it that you're married? Is it something else? And then the second question is how does forgiveness work in all of this? If I've crossed a boundary that isn't God honoring, um, is there forgiveness for me? Is there grace? Is there hope, mercy, all of that? So how would you guys speak to that? Um, I don't think it's ever a question of if you're forgiven or not. Yeah. I think it's something that you need to know. And it's as hard as that can be sometimes to really let that resonate that like God literally just gave it to you. Like you went and did whatever, or like you went and slept with whoever, or you tried this drug or you drank alcohol that weekend. Like God said, Nope, you're already forgiven. So that's the very first thing I want to talk about is like, it's never a question of like what you do or how far you go or how deep into your sin that you are. There's that nothing can separate you from the forgiveness that God has for you. So that's the first thing to know for the person who asks this question. Um, and your love for this person is something to be celebrated. Love is a really beautiful thing. Um, I mean, props to you. You're madly in love. Good. Um, but um, kind of how when we talked about sex, um, when Drew talked about sex a couple weeks ago, um, sex is not a bad thing. But it's a thing to be used in its correct context um, and in its complete design, which is marriage. And today, sex means nothing and everything. 
um, for a lot of people. And sex has been gutted of a spiritual or relationship experience or a relational experience, I would say, especially like in our generation or um, just, I don't know, I feel like maybe even the past 20 years. Um, but um, sex has now been linked to your identity, your maturity, or your fulfillment as a human. Um, and people will judge you for your, your virginity, for going too far, for not going too far, like not going far enough. Um, but the important thing is to know your relationship, um, yourself, and your partner's boundaries. Um, and what God would want for all of those, like all the things above. Um, and what was I going to say? Know that like your temptation isn't unique. Like there are people in this room who have been forgiven of that sin. There are people um, in the Bible who have been give, forgiven of that sin. So know that you're not alone in what you struggle with or in your question. Um, but God gave you forgiveness for a reason. So it's what you do with that forgiveness. Now that matters. I think that's what I would say. That's really good, Grace. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and, and this this might sound controversial, but um, love is not your love for another person is not enough to uphold the integrity of a relationship. Yeah. So I think I too would ask, like, okay, again, like Liam said, like, is it genuine love? Is it infatuation? Is it yeah. biblical love? Because if you're seeking their best from the standpoint of like, what would God have for this person? You're also going to be obedient to the will and command of God on their lives. And again, that's not to say, like, I agree. I'm like, it's, if you are dating someone, like, having a sexual desire for them, like, is in itself a good thing. Um, but at the end of the day, covenant is the only thing that's going to uphold your relationship. And, like, as an currently unmarried person who has walked with many married people, like, sex doesn't even hold together their relationships. It doesn't. It's that biblical love of choosing that the good for that person that the Lord speaks over them and not just your idea of good for them. So I just say it's like, it, it's a radical act of trust to say, Lord, like, I really want something right now. And I even might like really think this is the best thing for us, but I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. And I'm going to put this person before you with open hands and say, I'll actually withhold this for myself and them because I trust your will over their life even over my own. That's, that's love. That's biblical love. And it's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah. God has better for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll just tell you that God has much better for you than you see in this moment, than you see or feel in that moment of, of heated passion and sexual drive. He has much more than you, like much more for you. Um, so what we see in the gospel, what we see in Jesus, what we see uh, through the Bible is this, that God has for us all things. The Bible says in Psalms, I won't quote it wrong, 96, I believe, and in your, at, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are treasure, pleasures evermore, right? So there's fullness of joy, right? You're talking about like how people want to live for the orgasm. Like there's all kinds of things on the internet about just that full-blown documentaries, right? About separate sexes and all those things. But God has more for you than just an orgasm. That lasts for a minute and it's gone, right? Like he has more for you than if your desires is, is like a hunger thing. Like he wants to satisfy all of who you are in him. And the, the major story, the thread throughout the Bible is this. That God is in the business of restoring all things to himself. Amen. 
So that's, what, that's the story of the Bible. It's, it's God redeeming his people to himself. From Genesis to Revelation, in the end of Revelation, you see that God has come to pick and to take those who are his. That's what he's doing. And so I would say, like, there's nothing you can do, like Grace said, that can separate from his love because God has his plan to bring all things all back to himself. He has did a great job of touching pretty much all every point on that. Uh, there's just one thing I want to um, follow up on. It's the question of, since we're under grace now, can we sin and be forgiven? Yes, absolutely. Grace, uh, she nailed it when she said, don't ha- you don't have to worry about it. If you're in Christ, your sins are forgiven because God's punishment was poured out on Christ on the cross. So you are forgiven. But... And, and Paul in Romans 5 talks about, he t- takes an entire chapter to say we're no longer under condemnation. Like you are, you're under grace now. But then in, ch- in chapter 6, the first thing he says is, you know, considering all these things, should we continue to sin? Should we use grace as a means to continue to sin? And he unequivocally says, no, by no means should we continue to sin because God, that's the whole reason why Christ came, to free us from sin. We are no longer enslaved to sin. We're now slaves to God, essentially. Because we've been bought with a price. We're not our own anymore. Um, so we are, if we're in Christ, we're living for God. And so we should use the freedom that Christ has given us to live free from sin, not, not being free to sin anymore. Dang. Um, wow. I don't know that there's more to say. Um, in, in a second, I'm going to ask Aaron to close us in prayer. But first, let me just pause and acknowledge, like, there's a lot of wisdom on this stage, men and women, uh, who have a lot of good things to say. And I hope that it's been a blessing to you guys. I hope that um, it's been good food for thought, that you continue to think through these things, question these things, um, pray about these things. And so I just want to say, like, um, this is my shameless plug. Uh, we're going to do another one of these tonight. Uh, but... Here's why you should consider coming, because um, it's going to be different questions. There's going to be more men and women, more um, takes and all of that. And so um, you actually have the opportunity to have two different experiences today. And I would really encourage you, um, if this has been something that's been a blessing to you or something that's been like challenging in a holy way to you, um, and you can make it happen, consider being here at five tonight. Um, we're going to format it a little bit different. Um, uh, the women are going to stay here, and it's going to be a women-only panel. The guys are going to get up and go somewhere else after worship, and it's going to be a men-only panel. Um, it's going to be a good experience. And so if that's something you can be at and want to be at, we want to invite you wholeheartedly to be there. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Um, and so all that to be said, uh, Aaron, if you would close us in prayer and then um, that will conclude our morning and we can get up and go out to lunch on the lawn or uh, to your car if you need to get somewhere. Um, but let's pray. Lord, um, just thank you. Thank you for your word, your presence, your wisdom. And Lord, we just ask that as we spend time this morning uh, putting these words on our lips, singing the truth of who you are, Lord, that these will be things that we can walk by. You give us the strength to follow through, Lord, knowing that we have your grace, um, not as fire insurance, but power to live a holy life, Lord. We ask that you... Um, Just encourage us, Lord God. Remind us of um, your love and your purposes for us, Lord. Uh, Strengthen my brothers and sisters as they go out to live and love like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary HSM 805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.